as I walk on the streets in Gaza. Death, destruction, and chaos is all around me. I often think about how my life could have been and how I would still have a home and how my two best friends, Maimana and Abraham, would still be alive. Nawara Diab is 20 years old. She's currently in Rafa in southern Gaza. Her family fled their actual home in Gaza City long ago. And despite repeated communications blackouts, she has managed to stay in touch with CNN through text messages, voice notes, and video so she can share her story. Noara recalled memories of her two best friends, both killed by Israeli airstrikes within the span of 10 days. Maimana was a beautiful soul and so creative. Abraham was the most kind and funny person I'd ever met, not to mention also the smartest. I need them so much right now, and I need them more than ever. But I know that they are now in a better place. I just know. She also described the grueling challenge that is daily life in Gaza. She called it a sneak peek into hell. Water is the hardest thing to ever find here. With so little, we were forced to drink salty water for a while. So if we don't die from airstrikes, we're going to die from dehydration and starvation. Of course, that is just one small glimpse into life on the Strip. Just imagine living that life as Israeli tanks roll by and rockets rain down. Unsettling doesn't even begin to cover it. And what happens when the places that are supposed to stay settled, even in wartime, get disturbed? There's huge symbolic meaning to this notion that not even the dead are left in peace. And and so it seems that in Gaza, even the dead aren't spared the indignities of this war. Today, how the Israeli military is explaining the site of desecrated cemeteries in Gaza. From CNN, this is Tug of War. I'm David Rind. CNN's Jeremy Diamond is in Tel Aviv. We're speaking on Thursday afternoon. Jeremy, we've long talked about Israel's plans for a lower-intensity phase of the war in Gaza, but what does that actually look like in practice? Do we know? Well, it certainly doesn't mean the end of the war in Gaza. And what we have seen so far is that Israel certainly has transitioned to lower-intensity operations in northern and in central Gaza. We've seen thousands of troops, thousands of Israeli troops withdrawn from those areas, most of them reservists. But what we're also seeing at the very same time is a major offensive that is currently underway in the largest city in southern Gaza, and that is the city of Khan Yunus. Mm. On Wednesday, there was a strike on a UN shelter in Khan Yunus, 12 people killed, 75 injured, according Mm. to the United Nations. Uh, Although we should note that Israel for now is saying that it's ruled out an artillery or an aerial strike being the result of that. But the bottom line is that people are trapped People are trapped in in areas where they had previously fled more intense fighting in other parts of Gaza. Thousands of people had been sheltering in that area. And, And what we're also seeing is that even as operations in northern Gaza 
have transitioned to a lower intensity. That doesn't mean that they're done altogether. Mm. And, and we're still seeing some significant strikes from the Israeli military. And so the war goes on. So you were in Gaza within the last few weeks embedded with the IDF. What did you see? Well, what we saw was uh, significant destruction in, in parts of central Gaza where we were. We saw the Israeli military showing us the tunnels and the weapons factories that they say Hamas had in that area. But what we also saw and what I noticed on my way out of Gaza, we were in an armored personnel carrier driving from Gaza back towards Israel. And I'm sitting towards the front of this APC next to one of the soldiers who's looking at a screen which has cameras all around this APC in order to see what, what's outside. And suddenly I notice a row of graves. Hmm. And we are driving right through that on what looked like a freshly bulldozed dirt road. Wow. And what we did after that was uh, working with our open source investigations team, we started pulling up satellite imagery from that cemetery in particular and from others. And what we found was that not only was that indeed a cemetery that we had driven through with a freshly bulldozed dirt road right through it, but what we also found was that it was one of 16 cemeteries that the Israeli military has desecrated over the course of the first few months of this war. And we're seeing a, a range of things. We're seeing areas that have tracks from heavy armored vehicles or tanks going over it. We're seeing areas that have been entirely bulldozed to create military outposts on top of them. Mm. We've seen military vehicles parked on those freshly bulldozed areas. And we're also seeing areas where the Israeli military claims that they are looking for hostages. The Israeli military confirmed that they have actually exhumed bodies from at least one of those cemeteries, which was the cemetery in Khan Yunus, that they've gone in there, that they've exhumed bodies based on what they say is specific intelligence pointing them to the possibility that the remains of some hostages may be buried. There. Oh, because some of the hostages that are inside Gaza, you know, may not be alive. So they're trying to locate these bodies and, and return them back to Israel. That's the thinking here? Correct. We know that According to the Israeli government, they believe at least 28 of those hostages are dead and their bodies are still in Gaza. We know that the Israeli military has already recovered some bodies from Gaza. But I think there's an important distinction to make here, and that is that the Israeli military didn't claim to us that the destruction or damage to these 16 cemeteries was all due to this search for hostage remains. Mm. Uh, in fact, they told me that they couldn't account for the damage to all 16 of these cemeteries. And they also pointed me to another reason for why they may have damaged some of these cemeteries. And that was a claim that Hamas has been using these cemeteries for their military purposes. Mm. The only evidence that the Israeli military provided us for that was an image of a rocket launcher that they say was in a cemetery in Gaza. But beyond that, they weren't able to account in particular for converting several of these cemeteries into military outposts. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. 
quiets their snores, Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support, your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to Tug of War. I'm speaking with CNN's Jeremy Diamond. What does international law say about, you know, destroying or operating around these cemeteries? Well, international law is quite clear that the destruction of civilian sites, such as cemeteries, is a violation of international law, except under very narrow circumstances relating to those sites becoming a military objective or some kind of military necessity. But we spoke with several legal experts who said that Israel's acts could amount to to war crimes. Cemeteries are not military objectives. They are, in fact, what international law would consider a an object that is normally dedicated to civilian purposes, like places of worship generally. So this is protected from intentional attack. It can only be intentionally attacked or destroyed if it becomes a military objective. And it's also important to note that South Africa cited Israel's destruction of cemeteries as part of its case at the International Court of Justice, mm. arguing that Israel has committed genocide. And and one of the international law experts who I spoke with said that, look, the destruction of cemeteries in and of itself is not evidence of genocide, but it can be part of that body of evidence pointing to Israel's intent in Gaza. Now, the Israeli government, for its part, is obviously entirely rejecting those claims of genocide. They've actually, uh, I, I learned from an Israeli official that they have declassified over 30 government documents, including summaries of cabinet meetings, which they say point to another intent. And that is an intent amid the war to also provide humanitarian aid, to also try and create field hospitals run by other countries inside of Gaza. Of course, that's just one part of the picture of what we have seen throughout this war. Right. I mean, what has the reaction been from Palestinians to this investigation, though? I'm thinking especially of people who have had loved ones in these gravesites that have been kind of trampled over. It's devastating. I mean, we've we've spoken to several Palestinians who had relatives buried in some of these specific graves that we were able to geolocate and confirm through satellite imagery that they have been damaged by the Israeli military. One of our freelancers in Gaza spoke with Muntar al-Hayek. He's actually a spokesman for the Palestinian opposition group in Gaza, Fatah. And his daughter, Dina, was killed in 2014 in the Gaza war. And when he went to try and visit her grave, he could not find it. Mm. Uh, he tried to find his grandmother's grave. It wasn't there either. And what he said was that the scenes are, are horrific. And, and he urged the world to, to protect Palestinian civilians alive or dead. One other note I think that's important here is just the notion that the destruction, the damage to these cemeteries is also very symbolic. And, and that was a point that Janina Dill, one of the international law experts we spoke to, said. She said that there's huge symbolic meaning to this notion that not even the dead are left in peace. 
It suggests a disrespect towards the kind of spiritual life of your enemy, their cultural property and heritage. It's an evidence of an animus against your enemy that, that is unhelpful in this context. And so it seems that in Gaza, even the dead aren't spared the indignities of this war. Jeremy, thank you. Thanks, David. Tug of War is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Taylor Galgano and me, David Rind. Our senior producer is Haley Thomas. Dan DeZula is our technical director. And Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. We get support from Alex Manasseri, Robert Mathers, John Dionora, Lenny Steinhardt, Jamis Andres, Nicole Pesaru, and Lisa Namorau. Special thanks to Caroline Patterson, Abir Salman, Michael Schwartz, and Katie Hinman. We will be back on Wednesday. Talk to you then. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii.